0: Uh, we're going to continue in our study uh, through Acts, and I want to open uh, this morning with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Oops. Good men are promised tribulation in this world, and ministers may expect a larger share than others, that they, may be, that they may learn sympathy with the Lord's suffering people, and so may be fitting shepherds of an ailing flock. Sometimes I think that God's people tend to forget that the leaders God has blessed them with are human just like they are. Yes, they should be more mature in their walk as Christ followers. Yes, they are more wise in applying God's Word to life situations. Yes, they have more experience in dealing with the sin in their lives. And yes, they are good examples to those they lead because of these things. But being mature leaders in Christ doesn't mean they are immune to discouragement, depression, depression and feelings of inadequacy as they lead God's people. Some of God's most effective leaders have undergone times of great despair. Burdened with a rebellious and grumbling people, Moses cried out to the Lord in Numbers, if you want to look it up there, Numbers 11, he says this. He's talking to God. Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you may lay the burden of all this people on me that i conceive all this all this people that i give them birth that you should say to me carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to to the land that you swore to give their fathers where am i to get meat to give all these people for they weep before me and say give us meat that we may eat i am not able to carry all this people alone the burden is too heavy for me if you will treat me like this Kill me at once if I find favor in your sight. You think Moses is a little discouraged there? A little depressed there? And then following the defeat of uh, Israel by the small city of Ai, Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? Again, a, a major leader in God's plan for Israel. Not understanding what's going on, feeling discouraged. And then we have Elijah, who was plunged into despair after a tremendous victory over the prophets of uh, Baal on Mount Carmel. He fled into the wilderness, and he says this to God. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, that is, Elijah, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that, He might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah, he just won a tremendous victory, and now he's running, and he's feeling depressed, and he's feeling overwhelmed, and he's hiding out in the wilderness. Even modern-day church leaders deal with depression. One of the uh, most noted is uh, D.L. Moody, a great pastor in the late 1800s, He dealt with severe depression, so much so that there were times when he didn't leave his room for weeks. He dealt with this depression even when his ministry was seeing hundreds and hundreds of people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior weekly, and he dealt with severe depression. As we enter chapter 18 of our Acts study, we find the Apostle Paul entering the city of Corinth while on a grueling second missionary journey. He and Silas had been beaten and thrown into prison when his healing of a demon-possessed girl in Philippi sparked a riot. Reflect on that for a minute. Don't let that pass you by even though we've studied it already. He and Silas were severely beaten by Roman soldiers with a long, stiff stick. Their back and legs would have been torn open, revealing the muscle underneath. The beatings would have left permanent scars, and it would have taken them weeks, if not months, to recover from such a severe beating. If they were, had been beaten by Jews, it was a the Jewish, they would have been scourged, and it was the Jewish uh, frame of mind, that if they were a normal uh, amount of lashes for uh, an infraction was 40 lashes, and they would always say 40 lashes minus one, just to make sure they didn't kill anybody. These were Roman soldiers. They took joy in this. They enjoyed uh, their job. And there was nobody to stop them. And it wasn't uh, uncommon for people to be uh, killed through one of these beatings. That they were so severe. So here we have Paul having been beaten in Thessalonica. And then he experienced a, de- uh, a devastating earthquake. We see that. A devastating earthquake that opened up the, all the... the uh, cell doors in uh, where he was in prison but we have to understand something paul wasn't expecting an earthquake what if you were sitting there in, in in stocks not able to move and and the ground shook hard enough that uh all the doors opened? do you think you'd be a little fearful i mean after the fact he sees that nobody got hurt and and he comes out to the jailer and says we're all here there was, that was a supernatural act of god but again that surprising earthquake out of the middle of nowhere would have caused great fear for anybody in that prison And after all this, he was forced to leave the city while still recovering from the beating. In that condition, having been beaten and put in stocks, he had to travel over 80 miles to Thessalonica, where his ministry enjoyed great success. But that success also caused him to be chased out of the city in the middle of the night after about three weeks of prosperous ministry. He traveled for that night still recovering for 30 miles in the middle of the night to Berea. After experiencing successful ministry in Berea, he again was forced to flee, to escape the danger. And he went to Athens, which is over 250 miles by ship from where Berea was. So here we have him again doing what? He's, he's been beaten. He's been put in tri- prison. He's being chased out and persecuted city after city. And he was alone in, Corinth, uh, in Athens. Uh, he had left his uh, team behind. <coughs> excuse me. He was alone in Athens, and he made this 250-mile trip <coughs> from Athens to Corinth. or uh, Excuse me. From Athens to Corinth, he made a trip that was about 80 miles. And think about this. He was alone still. No help. In that day, Paul's uh, Corinth had replaced Athens as a leading political and commercial center in, the, in Greece. Corinth was considered one of the most immoral pagan cities of the first century. The Temple of Aphrodite was located in Corinth, and every evening, hundreds of temple prostitutes would descend down into the city, intent on enticing this city into gross immorality. That's where we find Paul in chapter 18. And so everybody turn with me, please, to chapter 18 of Acts, and I'm going to be reading, begin reading in verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade and he reasoned in the synagogue every sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks and so here we have Paul alone still in a weakened state experienced many stresses for months now and you wonder how did he feel great leader was Paul just a superman or what did he have this did he have depression and weakness and Feelings of being overwhelmed like we do. I think, I think he did. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, he's writing to the Corinthians, uh, the church that he's getting ready to establish. He says, I was with you in what? In weakness and fear and much trembling. Why do you think Paul wrote that back to them? Reminding them what he was like when he came into Corinth. Many think that his trembling was uh, still the cause of after effects of, of his beating, that he was still having troubles from the tremendous beating that he received. And then he also uh, has this, uh, we see this being referred to when he writes to uh, Thessalonian church. And he writes the two letters, uh, the first letter uh, from Thessalonians, first Thessalonians from Corinth. He writes from Corinth. And we see this. But now that Timothy has come uh, to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith, he's encouraged by the Thessalonians in love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in our, all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted through your faith. He was in Corinth at this time. He said we were comforted from all of our distress and afflictions. We get this idea that Paul was not having a really, uh, uh, wasn't feeling really strong right now. All his stress and the beatings and the persecutions had begun to get to him. It seems as if Paul came to Corinth weak, tired, lonely, and discouraged. But God did not ignore his servant Paul. We find that in the first part of this chapter 18, which we read, that he provided four avenues all the way through chapter 18. He's providing four avenues of encouragement to comfort Paul in his weakness We find that He brings encouragement through the companionship of believers, through fruitful ministry, through encouragement of God's Word and the frustration of His enemies. And we're going to look at all four of those this morning. And I want you to understand something, that God not only uses these four avenues of encouragement for His servant leaders as they fulfill their mission to lead in difficult situations, God also uses these avenues of encouragement for all of those who can call themselves Christ followers because of their belief in Jesus Christ. These avenues of encouragement are open to every single one of us who's sitting in here, not just the leaders, not just the, the deacons, not just the pastors, not just the teachers, but to everybody. All of these avenues of encouragement are available to us this morning. In these verses, the ones that I read specifically, verses 1 through 5, the first part of 5, we find the first avenue of encouragement, which is companionship of believers. Companionship of believers. Paul had been alone quite a long time. As many here this morning can testify, fulfilling a mission that God has given you, Uh, each of us without companions makes ministry much more difficult if you are alone in ministry for long periods of time it is a burden to bear because ministry is hard there's not a teacher here who has taught children or youth okay there's not a there's not a pastor or a deacon who hasn't sat in those positions very long and they understand there are tremendous burdens in ministry Paul's struggle was more intense, because at this point in time, he was bearing it alone. Silas and Timothy were still in Macedonia. He had left them there, and God knew Paul needed someone else to walk alongside him as he began a difficult ministry by himself in an extremely immoral society. And we found in verses 1 through 5 here that Paul found the companionship he needed when he met a married Jewish couple named Aquila and Priscilla. This couple had been run out of Rome because Emperor Claudius had commanded all Jews to leave Rome. Aquila and Priscilla were probably already saved when he met them. Uh, More than likely, they'd been saved through the church that had already been established in Rome. And so here he comes to them, and he meets them, and he establishes a friendship with them. We see that uh, right in the first part of chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila and a a native of Pontus and recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. He found these this married Jewish couple, and they would become lifelong friends of Paul throughout the rest of his ministry. They're mentioned other times in in the New Testament. After leaving Rome, Aquila and Priscilla had moved their tent making business to Corinth. Paul more than likely met them through their business because he was a tent maker. We need to understand something. Here is something else that we need to understand was a a burden on the Paul. Uh, He was going to have to support himself in his single, alone ministry. He probably met uh, Aquila and Priscilla when he was going to them to ask, Do you need help? Can I work for you? Look at uh, verse 3 in chapter 18. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for them, uh, for they were tent makers by trade. He worked for them. He didn't work with them. He worked for them. They were going to pay him. All Jewish boys were required to learn a trade. Paul's father was probably a tent maker and taught his son the family trade, which throughout Paul's ministry served Paul very well. Tent making was a, a lucrative trade. Paul needed to support himself, as we said, because he needed money. He needed to be able to live in Corinth. He was alone, he was tired, having to work for a living. And notice that God provided Priscilla and Aquila. And not only that, uh, God brought even more encouragement into Paul's life. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. And when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia... Paul was occupied with the Word. So who else showed up? What other companionship did God provide? Not only new, new friends, new companions uh, that helped, uh, sup- uh, he worked for and was able to support himself, but he also had Timothy and Silas, great uh, friends, old friends, ministry friends, show up from Macedonia. And here Paul was alone for such a long time and now he is full because he has his companions with him. God knows just when we need the encouragement of special friends during difficulties brought on by bold witnesses about the good news of Jesus Christ. What a comfort those companions can bring to our lives. We can learn a great deal about our call to ministry and responding to life difficulties in these verses. We can learn so much. Paul's life, as we know, as we've been looking at, is quite difficult right now, but he didn't place his ministry on hold. How much trouble, how, how difficult was Paul's life right now? Tremendously different. And he never put his ministry on pause. He didn't wait for it to get back to normal. He lived out the advice uh, that Pastor Drew Toucher from Fleetwood, uh, Pennsylvania, gave us last week. Don't let the moment you're in pause the mission you're on. Paul never let his life circumstances pause the mission that God had given him. He was alone. He was in pain. He was working for a living. He had been chased incessantly for months, and he never stopped. Even during this very difficult time in his life, Paul spent each Sabbath in the synagogue reasoning with all who would listen to him. Look at verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. This idea of the, the word reasoning there uh, means to dialogue. Paul didn't just stand up and preach like I am right now. He spent time with them. He answered questions and and, and, uh, uh, gave them answers to their questions. He worked to persuade those listening that Jesus Christ was Israel's Lord and Messiah, their Savior from sin and hell. He worked hard. If you and I boldly bring a witness of Jesus Christ into the lives of our communities, we are going to experience difficulties like Paul did. That's a promise. We are promised persecution if we are being bold witnesses for Christ. We will experience rejection loss loneliness and at times moves uh, moves uh, <coughs> at times as we move forward in time as we move forward into the future there may be some, some type of physical reaction people going to jail and already in Canada that's happening on multiple fronts because uh, pastors are still preaching the word of God still preaching the gospel still preaching uh, biblical principles and uh, Canada has Categorically outlawed some of those principles and there are pastors right now who are in canada going to prison being arrested because of preaching god's word And we cannot think That someday in the near future that may be us also When we did that we need people companions to walk alongside us And encourage us with their presence that encourages not to pause our mission because of the situation Satan will use every means possible, loss of job, marital difficulty, sickness, discouragement, depression, to make us pause the mission that we're on. But with the love, care, compassion, prayers, and counsel of our companions in the faith, we can be like Paul. We can endure. We can press on when we have the companionship of fellow witnesses. Amen. That is why it is so important for each one of us to be intimately connected with a body of Christ. We need each other's companionship. I need your companionship. Adam needs your companionship. The deacons need your companionship. We need each other's companionship. Because if we are being bold witnesses out that door for Jesus Christ, we're going to experience similar things. That's a promise from God. The second avenue of encouragement is found in verses 5, the last half of verse 5 through verse 8. Read with me from, chapter five, uh, from verse 5. Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the, that, uh, the Christ was Jesus. And when he opposed and revi- and when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, "Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." And he left them there, left there, and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. and many of the uh, of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And what we see here is the the second avenue of encouragement is fruitful ministry. Fruitful ministry. Even as you go through chapters 16 and 17 and now into 18, Paul has been chased out, Paul has been persecuted, Paul has been imprisoned and beaten, but in every place there was some fruit, some great amount, of. sometimes it was a lot of fruit, sometimes it was small fruit like in Athens, but there was always fruit always fruit what does it mean that what does luke mean when he records that paul was occupied with the word in second corinthians chapter 11 verse 9 we get an idea paul is writing to the corinthians again he says when i was with you so this is his second letter and was in need was paul in need who was having to work for a living okay um I did uh, did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia. Who were the brothers that came from Macedonia? Timothy and Silas, okay, supplied my need. So not only did Timothy and Silas uh, bring themselves back into Paul's life, but they also brought a fairly substantial gift. And what it says here that Paul was occupied with the word, who was Paul no longer working for? He wasn't working for, the, for uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He was now, uh, because before, remember, he was, only, he was going to the synagogues when they met uh, together, All right, and when he wasn't in the synagogue, he was working. Now he is dedicated full-time to what? The gospel of Jesus Christ because of ministry. So Silas and Timothy not only brought companionship to Paul, but they also brought generous gifts. Paul's witness was not well received by the Jews in the synagogue. They opposed and reviled him. Some of your translations would say blasphemed him so severely that Paul, in verse 6, says, He shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. How many of you think that's pretty harsh? Coming from the Apostle Paul. Paul realized at this time many of the Jews in the synagogue were not going to listen to him, so he shook out his garments. It was a dramatic Jewish gesture of rejection. It also showed his abhorrence of their blasphemy and that he did not want any dust from the synagogue where that blasphemy had taken place to cling to his clothes. He says, I am separating myself from you totally because of your blasphemy. His shocking statement, your blood be upon your own heads, I am innocent, showed that his opponents were fully responsible for what they were doing. And we need to understand something. We can learn something from this. There's a time when we... When those we are witnessing to reject our witness so severely that we need to leave the situation in God's hands. We need to leave the situation in God's hands. I want, you to, I want to say that again. When we are being bold witnesses, there are going to be times when people are going to, be so, they're going to so severely reject what we say that they bring it to a point of blasphemy. They bring it to a point where, they're, where we understand they're not going to change and it's going to be a detriment to ourselves and to the gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't separate. But we need to understand something else. That doesn't mean we walk away with the slightest hint of rejection either. We don't walk away with the slightest hint of rejection. These, These Jews opposed and reviled him. This statement is written in a way that shows the rejection was absolute and very severe. But don't walk away from anyone who rejects you just because they reject you when you witness rejection is a normal part of our witness rejection how many of you rejected the gospel the first time you heard it how many of you had to hear the gospel over and over and over before you really understood it and god opened your eyes and opened your heart to it we don't want to walk away just because it gets hard we don't want to walk away because we're just rejected in our witness But there are times when we need to walk away because it's a detriment to the gospel and it could be a detriment to us when they reject it so severely. We are to stay in dialogue with those who will listen to us even when they reject us. So what did Paul do when the Jews rejected him? Look at the last part of verse 6. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. From that point in time, his ministry moved from reaching the Jews in Corinth to focusing on the Gentiles in Corinth, and God blessed that ministry. But you want to know something? Remember we said that in this here, there's uh, uh, the, part of that encouragement, uh, the avenue of encouragement was fruitful ministry? We're going to see here in just a second that, that Paul had great success in reaching the Corinthians, the Gentile Corinthians, but You know, God also gave him some tremendous encouragement in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Not only did he have Gentile believers, Gentiles who had committed their life to Jesus Christ, but he also had a synagogue ruler named Crispus. What do you think that would have done to Paul's heart? To see a, a Jewish religious leader a synagogue ruler and his family, his entire family come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? What, a, what an encouragement that would have been. We have seen in this passage and other passages before this one in Acts, our obeying Jesus' command to be bold witnesses is going to be bring difficulty to our lives. We're going to be rejected. We're going to experience loss and we're going to be lonely at times. Life will often become very difficult, but God will encourage us with the fruit of people having their lives change for all of eternity when we are bold witnesses. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How much do you try to avoid struggle, rejection in your witnessing? How many times have you backed up because you didn't want to experience what you knew was going to come if you said anything about Jesus Christ. Think about that. We must realize that the fruit of people coming to Christ is often born out of struggle, and if we avoid that struggle because it's hard, then our witness will bear little fruit. Throughout all of Acts so far, we've seen that fruit always comes out of struggle. Fruit always comes out of persecution. Fruit always comes out of rejection. You want fruit in your life? You want fruit in your gospel witness? Then you need to meet head on the, the, the troubles that that's going to bring into your life. We talked about being courageous in Sunday school this morning. We need to be courageous witnesses, bold witnesses for Jesus Christ because if we're not, we will not see the fruit of our witness, the fruit of the gospel in our lives if you don't have fruit in your life, if you don't have uh, uh, people paying attention to you or uh, bringing difficulty in your life or getting saved through your ministry, you need to ask why, especially when it's many, many, many years before uh, since God has ever borne fruit out of your ministry, out of your life. Because there will always be fruit. It may not always be every day. It may not even be for months at a time. But over time, there's going to be fruit if you are living your witness out like God has commanded us to, to be Christ followers and witness for His Son, Jesus Christ. We find a third avenue of encouragement in verses 9 through 11. Look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will lack attack you or to harm you for i have many in this city who are my people and he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of god what we find here the third avenue is encouragement of god's word encouragement of god's word paul's friends old and new brought much encouragement to him as did the many Corinthian converts and Crispus, the synagogue rulers' belief in Jesus Christ. Yet that fruit would have also increased. That fruit would have increased the opposition from Jewish community. And the opposition appears to have grown so much, it seems like Paul was wondering if he should continue his ministry in Corinth. There would be no reason for God to reach out to him and say, don't worry, don't be fearful, if Paul was not considering stopping his ministry. To encourage his servant to continue in his ministry in Corinth, the Lord himself spoke to Paul. And in that, he says four things. Look at at verse verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many people in this city. He says, go on speaking. God said, go on speaking. I am with you. No one can harm you, and there are many Yet to be saved in this city. You think that would have that word from God would have encouraged Paul? If you were to wake up one day and you were having extreme difficulty and your witnesses and your bold witness and God says, You need to keep it on, keep doing this. Don't stop. No one's gonna harm you. There are a lot of other people who are gonna be saved, and no one is gonna harm you. Would that encourage you to go and get back into the the the, the, the battle the next day if you had a vision from God like this? Even in the midst of severe rejection and persecution that Paul, had, that Paul had, God's Word brought great encouragement to him. The difficulties didn't disappear for those 18 months that he stayed in Corinth. They didn't just go away, but God's Word strengthened him. The Corinthian church continued to grow. God does not speak to us in the same way today as He did to Paul, but we are not without the encouragement of God's Word. We have the Bible, God's inerrant infallible word to us, and his, word can, in his in his word, we can find similar encouragements that Paul found in God's words. Remember what he said? He's, he says, I, I <clears throat> go on speaking, I am with you. Look at what we find in Matthew 28 to us. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen? No matter what you find in your witness, no matter what uh, uh, obstacles you find in your bold witness for Jesus Christ, God says, I am with you. And then in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, we find these encouraging words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Who's protecting you? Can anything on this earth snatch you out of God's hands? Can anything you encounter in a bold witness snatch you out of God's hands? Does that encourage you? Amen. Amen. No one can truly harm you. No one can snatch you out of God's hands. There is one string attached to finding encouragement through God's Word to us as Christ followers. There is one string attached. We must be in God's Word to be encouraged by God's Word. We must hide the God's Word in our hearts. We must know His never-changing promises to us. That's the string. If we're not constantly in the Word, if we're not students of the Bible, we're not going to be, incur- be able to be encouraged by God's Word, by God's, by, uh, through His Word. It is through His Word to you and I that we will find encouragement to withstand the rejection in life difficulties we will encounter being those bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. It is through that encouragement that we will see our witness bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. And Paul's Jewish opponents watched in frustrated rage as more and more people came to faith in Christ. And finally, in desperation, they tried to get the Roman authorities to, put Paul, to make Paul's preaching stop. But what, we don't, what they didn't know is that God would use their actions to bring great encouragement. Look at verses 12 through 17. We'll just read the first part. But when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made an, a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is pers- uh, persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since this matter of, uh, matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourself. I refuse to listen. I refuse to listen. You know what we find here? The fourth road of encouragement, fourth avenue of encouragement, frustration of our enemies. Amen? How many want to see God frustrate the enemies of your witness? Now, we all want that with the right heart. It's attitudes, right? I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's a passage that says something about, you know, pouring hot coals on their head. Okay, a lot of people go, oh, I can't wait. That's not quite the attitude here, folks. All right? History tells us that this man, Galileo, was a fairly inexperienced proconsul. Hoping to capitalize on his inexperience, the Jews brought Paul before his judgment seat. And the Jews hoped for a favorable verdict from uh, Galileo, Galileo that could uh, then be cited as precedent. They were setting up to, uh law. They were using the courts to, to move to get Christianity, to get Christ followers all over the place, okay seen as being different from judaism you see right now uh the roman government saw christians as being a sect of judaism and there were certain things that that uh, they could do being a sect of judaism that they couldn't if uh the romans had set them aside because judaism was a proper and right and legal religion in rome if this proconsul said that there is a difference between Judaism and Christianity. Christianity would have been an illegal uh, religion at that point in time, punishable, okay, by imprisonment and even death, because it was not a legal religion in Rome. This charge had far reaching implications. Had this proconsul ruled in the Jews' favor, Christianity could have been banned not only in Corinth, but throughout the whole Roman Empire. However, Galileo was not so easily duped. When Paul began his defense, Galileo cut him off and he refused to meddle in what he viewed as an internal dispute within Judaism. And look what he said, we are, which way are we? Look at verse 14 again. Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crimes, I would have reason. But since it did not have to do with anything criminal in his eyes, he threw it out. Galileo uh, rendered what in today's courts would be called a summary judgment and threw the case out. He officially ruled that there was no crime involved. And when the Jews persisted in arguing their case, he drove them away from the judgment seat. He actually had to physically remove the Jews after he had ruled from his judgment seat from before him. And the angry Jews vented their frustration by taking hold of Sosthenes, another leader in the synagogue, another ruler, and beat him in front of the judgment seat. So why did they beat their own Jewish brother here? Why did they beat? Look at this, He said. Look at verse 16. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to this. Many believe it's because Sosthenes was a Christian or was at least leaning towards this at this time. They believe that, uh, that, they believe that the Jews thought that he had not brought a proper uh, uh, case before the proconsul. And we understand that, that Sosthenes later on for sure had become a Christian because in 1 Corinthians, again, in writing to the Corinthians, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother who? Sosthenes. And so more than likely, it was a combination of events. Uh, they don't, the Jews didn't think that Sosthenes had presented the case well, and he probably didn't present the case well because he was either already a Christian or he was leaning in that direction. And Galileo was consistent with his refusal to meddle in the internal affairs of the Jews, and he ignored the beating that was happening right in front of him. He says, I'm not going to meddle in your Jewish affairs, and he ignored what was happening right in front of his tribunal. What encouragement Paul brought into Paul's life. He had told Paul not to be afraid to stay in Corinth. Paul obeyed and continued his bold witness. That witness and the fruit of that witness caused Paul's enemies to resort to the courts to end uh, his witness. But God intervened on Paul's behalf. There is no court in any nation that will ever halt the gospel witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. We can also be encouraged by that. God has commanded us to be his witnesses. There will be difficulties and times because of that witness, but God will ensure that no one will ever stop our witness. Our enemies will be frustrated when they try to stop the gospel and that will never happen and that could be great encouragement to our life. Let me close with this. We've seen the four avenues of encouragement for us to live. Companionship of believers, fruitful ministry, encouragement of God's word, and the frustration of our enemies. Amen? We here at Sardis want to build a church that does each of those. Companionship of believers. We are working hard to make sure that every member of this church feels and experiences the companionship of believers. Amen? We want people to be here as much as possible fruitful ministry we want to train you how to have fruitful ministry how to be a a good witness outside these doors and that's what we do here on sunday mornings that's what we do in in bible studies that's what we do in sunday schools we want to train you and teach you how to have fruitful ministry amen We want you to experience the encouragement of God's Word like this here. We take chapter 18, and now you understand that if you get discouraged, you can read chapter 18. You can use God's Word to find encouragement, just like Paul did. And that's why you will always see us striving to bring you encouragement and insight into God's Word. And then we also want to be there when God frustrates your enemies, because if God is frustrating your enemies, that means you have enemies And again, we come back to, you're going to need companionship. But as we are companions, as we are uh, doing fruitful ministry, as we're being encouraged, we can understand that God is going to overall frustrate those who oppose us. Amen? I hope and pray, I do, that you find encouragement in this passage this morning. I hope and pray that you will become a a bolder witness, that you will... uh, Begin to understand that even in difficulties being bold witnesses, God's got your back. We find encouragement in His Word and I pray and hope that's what we found this morning. Bow your heads for just a minute, please. (laughs) If you're here this morning and Maybe your life has begun to change because of our studies and acts, and you've become, trying to become a better, a bolder witness. Maybe you're starting to encounter some difficulty. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, we've all been learning. We've all been challenged by what it means to follow your command to be bold witnesses. Father, that's why this church exists. That's why we exist. There is nothing more important in life than being a witness for you. That is our primary reason for taking a breath. And Father, for those who have been, uh, had their hearts begin to change and they're trying to reach their neighbors and their friends and their families, their coworkers, Father, if they're beginning to feel pressure, if they're beginning to feel rejection and those rolled eyes, Father, I pray you would strengthen them. I pray that today, what we saw, those four avenues of encouragement, that they can grasp onto those things, believe those things, and see how you worked them in Paul's life and take confidence that you can work it in in their lives. We bring them to you, Father, in Christ's name. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, wow, I have been backing off of my witness I've been scared about a family member. I've been intimidated at work. My neighbor, we've never gotten along. He hates me or she hates me. Maybe if you've begun to have God open your eyes and you say, those are the people that I need to reach. Those are the people that I need to reach to reach out boldly to in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a neighbor you've lived to for years and years and years. And you've never talked to them about Christ. Never were a bold witness. Maybe God's laid that on your heart. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, for those of us who've been convicted in our study of Acts about Not being the bold witness we should be. Father, I pray that you would strengthen all of us. I pray, Lord God, that you help us understand that you're with us and that you will never leave us. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to stop being fearful and to know that fruit comes from struggle. Fruit comes from persecution. Fruit comes because we are working hard for you. And Father, I pray that we would desire fruit in our lives and that we would desire to see those around us see Jesus Christ, not just know who Jesus Christ is, not just make a a cultural profession of faith, but people who, uh, Father, we pray that they would become people who are dedicated in life and mind and heart to the Savior, Jesus Christ.